Oncology Systems Limited are the leading provider of radiotherapy ancillary equipment in the UK and Ireland. Serving the community for over 22 years, we pride ourselves on exceptional service and quality products. Please take a moment to visit our website www.osl.uk.com and take a look at our product lines, which include macromedics for patient immobilisation and IB dosimetry for all your radiotherapy quality assurance needs. We are more than happy to take your questions, so please do get in touch via our website or email inquiry at osl.uk.com and one of our specialist team will be available to assist you. Hello everyone and welcome to Rapture. We're at UKIO. My name is Megan Anderson and I'm joined by my co-host Joe McNamara. Hi there. So we've got another lovely guest. Could you like to introduce yourself please? Hi, I'm Lisa Rashmore. I'm a senior lecturer at Lancaster University and a therapeutic radiographer. Amazing. And Lisa, anyone who's on Twitter will know that you're quite prolific, well known for all the work that you do around gynecological cancers. Can you tell us what you've been involved in recently? Yeah, sure. So um, we have been working on the Gynae Narratives project. Um, so we've been working with Classbridge Cancer Centre. It's been funded by Northwest Cancer Research and we've been collecting women's experiences of gynaecological cancer um, as they go through radiotherapy. So we kind of knew that we don't know very much about what it's like to go through radiotherapy. Um, we're learning loads more about late effects and those kind of things now but we just don't know what it's like for the women who are actually going through treatment. And we wanted to look at um, people and think about their identity and think about how that might change as part of having radiotherapy treatment and experiencing side effects from gynae radiotherapy. What was your biggest light bulb moment hearing patients' lived experiences? Was there anything that made you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I never considered that? Yes, I know I was one of those therapeutic radiographers that didn't consider that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that as I was reading, the so some of the narratives are really hard to read. They're, you know, and you feel quite um, connected to the people who were submitting them because they did them over a period of six months. So from the start of their treatment as they went through um, that process. So you get quite connected with that in a nice way, actually. There was one person who was dating and she was kind of updating us on her dating <laughs> life as she was going through and we were like was it successful um yeah well it, it depends how you define success but um so and that was nice it was like reading a novel really like going through that with her um but there were others that weren't as light-hearted and that were a lot more challenging to read and um so moments when you think yeah I definitely did that where you put the service in front of the person who's in front of you or um, you know there was just one incident where um, a person was asked to get changed in front of a room full of people and walk across to the bed and there was no gown and she said it's not right I'm 80 years old and you think yeah no it's not it's not right but you know there were no gowns available and they were just cracking on and then you think actually we, we can't do that we need to make sure that we are respecting people's dignity as they're going through treatment so. and so you brought along your book yes our book I should our book. say our book. yeah in terms of kind of 
the book and accessibility and how patients can find out more. What do they need to do to okay. get their hands on it? Okay, so we've um, we've all we've co-written the book, um, and in order to get a copy of it, you can go to our website, which is um, hosted at Lancaster University, um, and you can also find a link of that on Twitter. If you follow me, um, and we can we'll definitely share as part of the yeah, oh, thank you very much. And then there's just a form to fill in and then we post it out to you. It's free of charge. A um, couple of questions to ask because we want to know where it's going and how it's being used. So there's a couple of questions to answer about who you are and, um, and then we will just send that out. We're going to send a copy to every department as well. So the way we've written it is that we've like it's called we need to talk about radiotherapy for gynecological cancer because we we didn't want to make it a book just for patients because we don't want the responsibility to make a difference to sit with the patients but also um, we didn't want to just make it for practitioners because we feel like there are things that patients can do to push the practitioners to do better so we want to give um, people empower people maybe isn't the right word but to give people the confidence to say no um, I don't think that's okay or actually have you thought about maybe I could do this thing or those kind of questions that people could challenge their practitioner team sounds quite like grad chat in terms of what we do with the patient voice it's, it's very similar isn't it okay. well, I'm curious what, what drives you to do this to make it better to make a difference I, I think there's we don't know enough about radiotherapy experiences what it's like to go through treatment and I just want to have an impact on care so actually um, I when I talk about the project sometimes I put a slide up of my grandmother so Eileen um, and she was in her 80s when she had treatment for gynae radiotherapy and she was a fit looking woman and she was very stoic and you would never really know that there was like she was she didn't didn't come across as being frail or anything like that and she had a really intense radical course of radiotherapy for endometrial cancer and um, and she never got over the effects of radiotherapy so she had loose bowels loose bowels and just that term is just it's it's it, they're not it's not loose bowels it's a bit cringy isn't yeah. it yeah yeah, but and, but also more than that, like well, there was one woman who um, talked to us about how her her loose bowels now mean that she can't do the school run because she can't be that far away from a toilet ever. So, or you know, another person talked about how when she walks her dog now, this is like five years after treatment, she has to take um, nappy bags and wipes and everything because she can't walk her dog for half an hour without needing to empty her bowels at the side of the path or whatever. Like, just to say, like you're going to have loose bowels, it's really kind of hard to comprehend what that might mean to your day-to-day -day life so I want to do that I want to make it better I want to think about my grandmother and so that people know what they're going into when they're going to have radiotherapy in terms of kind of preparing patients we have lots of listeners who are patients what would you advise now based on what you've heard for patients going to go through radiotherapy ask questions and then ask again and keep asking and keep going until you get answers, until you understand or make sure that you've 
covered everything on your consent form, where, it, where all those ticks are, go back and say, actually, could you just explain to me again what this might mean? So that you, you know, you've really got a sense of what it is that you're going in for. I suppose again, to go further, I mean, we've talked about on the podcast being a bystander. So yes, for us as healthcare practitioners, we're treating a patient with confidence, but it's everything else around them. As I said, when people are younger, they're older, working, their lives around them. What sort of things maybe could we as practitioners help families around yeah, just having those conversations, I think, as well. Like, a lot of the time, people who are going through treatment, like, put on a brave face because they don't want to, you know, shit or, like, make people feel sad or, you know, I'm trying to stay positive for the sake of my children and those kind of things. So if we can open up the conversation so that that burden of staying positive isn't on the patient, so, you know, relatives can get involved and, like, preempt some of this stuff or, advocate for their um, loved one who's going through treatment as well. I think that's important. Have you found as well around kind of sense of intimacy? It's always been a bit of a taboo area in any environment of treatment really, but now with the researchers that you've looked, looked into, have you found that maybe we aren't doing as much as we thought we were or we should be? Yeah, definitely. So there's a chapter in the book around um, sexual selves and a lot of the time when you we think about sexual well-being as part of treatment it we're always kind of thinking about penetrative penis on vagina sex and we don't think about just sort of sexual well-being as just part of our existence like it's one of your fundamental human rights actually sexual wellness and it it's taking away from you and then we just kind of force this well you know if you use the um then you're just um, everything's fine if you use a dilator. Yeah, yeah, and, then, and we'll be able to examine you in the future, and then that'll be all right. And then, but there's actually so much more to that. Or actually, then people get put into this kind of psychological problem, and they have to go for like counselling over psychotherapy and those kind of things. Which is amazing that those services exist, but there are people who fall through those gaps who just feel, you know, that they've lost their identity. But we've been running, so following on from this project, we've been running a series of workshops um, that have been supported by the Society of Radiographers. And we've been working with two sexual health practitioners. Um, they have an organisation called Me and Her, and they their aim is to just get people having conversations about sexual well-being. So we've been working with a group of 15 um, therapeutic radiographers, but also BRACI practitioners to um, just start having conversations about how can we talk about this stuff. Like, not, so we're not trying to give people, right, these are the lubes you should use and these are this. We're just trying to say, actually, what do you do if somebody comes to you and says, um, could you recommend where I could buy a vibrator from? Or could you tell me something about how I could feel more intimate with my partner? That people don't have to have the answers but what they can't do is just freeze or go um, um, or I'm going to pass you on thing, yeah. Yeah, or I'll just give you this leaflet here have a Macmillan leaflet and then come back and ask me if you've got any questions tomorrow like, just to give people the confidence to say oh that's an interesting question let's talk about that some more like just to keep the conversation flowing rather than, that somebody said that they'd found that their daughter had taken her to a sex shop 
and they'd like managed to get all this stuff and she was just so thrilled she went into treatment the next day and she said to them oh and I went and got this stuff and then she said I could tell by their faces that it's no good talking to them is what she said and um, it's no good talking to them it's not their job to think about this stuff and think it is our job And I think I did it as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I did. Yeah, and also, I've got a waiting room full of patients who's coming through. Like, you know, now's not the time to have the conversation, but there are ways of handling it, I think, which, yeah. And I absolutely am a firm believer that education, pre registration, but continued education is really, really important. Um, how do you feel as a profession we can help support? Um, I think so in the book we've got these kind of prompts and we what I would really love is that if people were just having them as staff meeting discussions um, informal like reading group conversations those like it doesn't have to be a training course it doesn't have to be time off the set it's just about doing that informal conversations maybe reading around and sharing you know what you've read journal clubs those kind of we often like look for the master's module don't we and and actually you're not going to get that in a classroom you're only going to get it through actually having conversations with your colleagues so that's how I think we should support each other I think we need to support the students coming into these worlds as well because you know when we were working with the society they were like well should we do something for our undergraduate students and I was like yes definitely um, but it puts a lot of pressure on them as the people with the knowledge to go into a context where it's not happening so your second year therapeutic radiography student isn't going to start having a conversation in front of their band seven radiographers with somebody no, who's be, their I'm granny. Going to I'm going to be controversial now. So. I wonder because I think actually if you have a supportive educational environment that where you can you can develop the skills for the student. So not necessarily they may have the knowledge. I use smoking cessation, which is maybe a little bit more different to having maybe a conversation around sexual intimacy or something like that. But you know, smoking cessation doesn't happen by every single therapeutic agent. They feel worried about offering that advice, or if you have a therapeutic agent who smokes, they then feel hypocritical. But we really do support, and I know other HEIs do it, where it's empowering the student, exactly as we do for patients, empowering them to have those conversations and go, I've noticed you've not had a discussion about this, is this something I could start to bring in? Um, And I wonder whether that's maybe how we start to use the students to change practice, because they are the future, aren't they? Well, I think if the culture's there to support them to have those conversations and the respect of the students' knowledge and in, like giving them sort of 
confidence that you're not going to undermine what they're saying, yeah, then I think that would be amazing. Definitely. Yeah, we're definitely not advocating that students go in in front of a patient going, you've forgotten to mention this, I'll just talk about this dialogue. Yeah. Go and get a vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> have you found, so, so we talked about therapeutic age doctors, but um, how have you found kind of speaking to a working with specialists? Yeah, so we've had a clinical nurse specialist on our steering group, but we haven't been working with them beyond that. So um, it was amazing to have the clinical nurse specialist on the project because it just gave us a different angle and she actually found it great actually to be part of the project and we even as part of that steering group set up a referral pathway for patients she was like I didn't know that I could refer into because there was someone from a late effects clinic there and she was like I didn't know I could refer to you yeah. and so now as just from that she's been able to refer patients into that pathway so I think that's amazing um, but no we've not done any work really beyond therapeutic radiographers and we're not only focusing on um, like review radiographers, we want to focus on all. So we've got somebody who's just qualifying, so she's about to go into her first band five job in September. So she's um, been on these workshops we've been doing um, around sexual wellbeing. Um, and then we've got people who are really experienced in this field and they're on the workshops as well. And we put everyone into breakout rooms and they go off and they talk and we're hoping that those conversations have been helpful. And I think it's been good to have the Bracky um, teams there as well because um, lots, some of the stories about brachytherapy were difficult and hard and I think that it's sometimes a bit neglected. And when you're thinking about sexual well-being, the brachytherapy is really um, something where we need to focus. My experience is Bracky have always been that it's a very hard treatment to go through. And I think, um, again, we've spoken quite a bit of a, a needs assessment in fact it was one of the participants in the project who said well all it would have taken would be for someone to sit with me before I went in and to talk to me about what might have helped you know if what if that's um, what music would I like and would I like to be covered it might that might be as little or it might be that actually I feel really anxious and I might need some you know therapeutic intervention to help me relax and then you know that information on you know if on your first day chat you say to somebody I feel really uncomfortable if I have to walk across the room yeah. half naked or whatever and then you know patients don't often see the same team and then that information doesn't always get passed on or it's not taken as seriously or you know so I think that's quite important as well first day chats you know taking them really seriously it's not just about I'm going to tell you what's going to happen the machine's going to do this and then it's going to do that and then we're going to crack on you're not going to feel anything but you'll hear a buzzing noise um, <laughs> and, well, and that stuff's amazing and it's important but then it's like 
it shouldn't be then. So have you got any questions? Like it shouldn't be the last thing. Like yeah. it needs to be built I'm in. Always talking open, open your conversation with an open question. Yeah. And then keep stopping. Is there anything you want to say? Is it, and just and even if it takes ages, it's just it's what it takes. Often in clinical practice at the moment, you're you know, people walking down the corridor starting the first day chat, get into a room and then within five minutes they're going into the treatment. Yeah. Or people trying to justify saying, um, well we'll give you the first treatment and then you'll know what to expect and then we'll talk it through with you afterwards or whatever. It's, it's just not the system. Not well, thank you so much. We could literally spend an hour sitting talking to you, and we would absolutely love to have you on for a full episode because it would be amazing to share some of your learning from the research and the projects you've been involved in, and hopefully help and share some ideas for how we can develop our own practice as practitioners. So we don't go, and the machine's going to do this, and the machine's going to do that, and off you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great chatting to you. Thank you.